You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds, presented by Lost Highway Brewing Company. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Brian Schrader, my co-host, my buddy. How goes it, sports nerd? It's going well. It's going well, yeah. How about I you? Would, uh, you know, I would encourage everybody before Brian gets up and, and, and the hot takes start flowing, make sure you find our video on Facebook because you can see his his gamer headset. And uh, he's got an eSports tournament after today's episode. <laughs> what's, what's the game? Is uh, it uh, Fallout 7? I haven't what's played the- video games in a long time. I'll say something stupid. Halo 2? Oh, Halo 2. That's Circa... Right. 2003 i don't know wrong i wanted to let you know um i was sifted through uh your your pictures on facebook last night um looking for content for for a show and i found some dandies so just fyi um thanks to jill schrader for putting so many fantastic pictures up there and also meg meg puts a lot of good stuff so there's one in particular that's not good uh, which uh, there uh, just one I, I could have counted at least six or seven. There's If I had to choose one picture to not exist or be on the internet, I have a very specific <laughs> image of which one that would be. Well, uh, let me hunt it down and find it and see if I can't use uh, it. It's um, on my Facebook page. It's not, you don't have to, it's not, you know, you don't have to, man. you don't have to be a brother Seamus, if you know what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying. To find I, that. I do know what you're I was, saying. I was at a, a Christmas party thing last week. Don't brag about your social skills. And so it doesn't matter. And some dude who I I know relatively well was like, "Oh, hey, have you ever seen The Big Lebowski?" And then I Just peppered him with facts wood? about The Big Lebowski for like forty five minutes, and it was clear two minutes in he did not really want to have a conversation with me about The Big Lebowski. So it's basically how you and I talk about music, but in this, it, it, you were me in this situation, and this guy was you. That's what you're yeah. saying. He just picked the wrong guy to be like. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, you know I've seen it. We when we first moved here, uh, uh, what's the what's the Irish pub that's on Larimer? Do you remember? Uh, it's across from the Gin Mill, and I can't think of the name of it. But they had they used to have a, a Lebowski trivia contest every year, hmm. and you had to go dress up. Catherine and I did it one time. Lebowski got, fest. Yeah, we got top five. Uh, we brought Matt Gersh along. Matt, if you're listening, sorry, he knew nothing about. Big Lebowski. Did they ask you questions you didn't know the answer to? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like some of the stuff was pretty crazy. Like uh, what foot uh, had the toe cut off? You know that one? Uh, The woman's right foot. I think so. We see it under under the the table during the Lingenberger pancakes scene. That's an impressive amount of Lebowski <laughs> trivia that you have right there. I'm very, very proud of you. All right, let's get this show up and running because uh, uh, we've promised our our you know mass audience that we were going to have uh, a fun conversation today about really, really uncomfortable things. And so we'll jump into that. Before we do, uh, let me encourage everybody to to find us on the socials. We're out there. We're everybody. We're everywhere. Twitter at underscore sports nerds. Um, Instagram sports.nerds. That's where we do most of our magic. And then Facebook. Facebook seems to be getting a lot of engagement. Got a 
posted yesterday something about Urban Meyer that people really appreciated. So thanks to those out there who engaged in that. And Facebook is just slash sports nerds. So you can you can find us. We do the live stream every week. We also put our video up on YouTube. Uh, I understand the video quality isn't always excellent. Sometimes our Wi-Fi goes out. At least we have the audio. That's what seems to matter. So um, uh, feel free to go back there and, and look to see what Brian and I actually look like. Brian, do you like my beard? It's kind of. I don't think the video quality is good enough for me to render it. Oh yeah, that's nice. It's getting. My hair's too light. You know, it's gray and it's blonde. I need a nice. You got a thick. I forgot about the handlebar mustache bet from from last podcast. Yeah, we're gonna have to do it. Well, I shouldn't have shaved my beard. No, you're good. You got time. You got time. We got a whole month of bulls. So uh, we haven't launched it yet, but as we've done every year since starting this thing, we'll be doing a bowl game pick them. Uh, we'll be running it through ESPN because nobody else really does a fantastic job of it. Uh, we'll get more information out there to you. Brian, do you know when the first bowl game is? I was th- I forgot to look yesterday. Um, no, it's not I don't for know. a couple weeks. We got a couple weeks. So um, I'm sure we'll have some fantastic prizes. I told Jay Schrader to, to reach out to some clients to try to get some free some free stuff. Uh, we'll always have the Tivoli stuff because they have supported us since day one, even though they didn't always, you know, want to give us money. But uh, they have supported the show in many ways. They've got a new CEO now, so everything's good. Ken loves us. Ken loves the show. Uh, if you like beer, by the way, let me do a cross-pollination here. Uh, Brian's brother Jay and I are starting a, a, a beer podcast, a craft beverage podcast uh, that will be sponsored by Tivoli. Uh, they're the kind of the engine behind it. That'll get launched the 1st of January. Um, and we're just going to be going around town, talking to brewers, uh, having just, I think, rather intimate conversations about their relationships to beer. So uh, it looks like we have, who do we get? Uh, Crooked Stave, uh, Black, Black Shirt, uh, Spangalang. Tivoli, obviously, uh, Station 26, and I'm missing one. I can't remember who it is. It's not Weldworks. Maybe Four Noses or Odd 13. I can't remember. But, I forgot uh, to tell you. I know a dude at, who works at Wibby Brewing in, in Longmont. Okay. Uh, yeah. How well do you know him? Uh, debate guy. I know him pretty well. Let's uh, uh, send me his contact information or his name uh, once we get off the show, and I'll reach out to him. I think uh, I brought it up to your brother that uh, we should schedule a series of interviews with the breweries in Breckenridge, and then uh-huh. write, write it off as a business expense. We'll go up there, we'll drink beer, we'll have our interviews, and we'll go skiing. So you should come back. For Makes that. sense. Yeah. Your brother's okay, but he's not you, you know? My, my proxy I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, my, my proxy, my proxy, uh, oh, Mile High Distilling, Juan Goodwelder, you got it, buddy. Send me a message and uh, we'll make it happen because it's not just craft beer. We're doing craft beverage. That would be awesome. So uh, send us a message here and we will uh, we'll set it up and Jay and I'll get over there. Uh, okay, so let's get the, I think we, 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 um, we're, we have some donations this week, by the way, on Anchor. I think we have a dollar and 50 cents. That's awesome. Yeah. So thanks to you out there who anonymously gave us money. Um, we appreciate it. Really, really, we do. I think next year, Brian, we should send uh, send out holiday cards. That would have been the smart thing for our marketing campaign. So thanks to you. Uh, not too late for that. It's not too late for that. You're right. Um, I guess we could press push those out really fast. It's a lot of. But do you want to go? Do you want to go to the to the post office? Because at this time of year, it's just terrible. Brought to you by Stamps.com. Do you hate going to the post office? No, I think that'd be great. We should. We could do like. Uh, you know, we could do a series of 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 lifetime lifestyle lifetime photographic moments, like engagement pics. You know, 
I love it. First baby, first uh, yeah. series of Christmas cards over the years. That'd be great. Well, I mean, I, I did access your and Jill's wedding photos uh, via Facebook, so I could definitely kind of Photoshop <laughs> there. I didn't. I skipped wedding. I skipped wedding photos. <laughs> put those. You on have there. to build it over like the next ten years, though. <sighs> the first one would be like an engagement photo. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no. This I'm just laughing. I'm just having a good time. I have a good yeah. p- picture in my mind. I think it'd be pretty great. I hey. I'm I'm all for it, buddy. Send it along. Uh, so thanks to you who who left us donations on Anchor.fm slash Sports Nerds. That's where you can find the show again. Anchor.fm slash Sports Nerds. You can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would rate us, leave us a review, it would be very much appreciated. Thank you so so much. I believe I'm trying to think. It was it Debbie Buster, Nate Carlson's wife, left a review. Did I tell you this? Left left us a review. Sweet sweet lady, said not as good as his dad. Like the show, not as good as his dad. Oh, all right. So thanks, Debbie. Gosh. <laughs> you know, I know uh, I can't be my father. He's been doing it for a lot longer than I have. You know, he's he's a seasoned veteran. Brian and I are we're still a little bit little wet behind the ears. Yeah. So I right, uh all right, let's jump into it. Um but you wanted to get going with what? What are we going to have a conversation? I, 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 I was just curious if what the what the temperature of Denver sports is like right now. I know the Broncos have 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 wedged their way into a wild card conversation at least for for the next week. But the Nuggets are in first place in the Western Conference. Have won six game in a row. Have big wins. Just beat Toronto in Toronto, uh, and the Avalanche are in second place in the Western Conference with a plus twenty three goal differential. I mean that's two two teams who are you know they're 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 getting better by low right i mean these are teams that the nuggets haven't been in the playoffs in five six years the avalanche had a playoff a random playoff appearance a couple years ago and and nothing really came of it i mean i i I, i'm curious if if denver people are are shifting their attention right now to what could be really great important regular seasons for these two franchises there seems to be uh, a lot of folks getting excited the only problem is i don't know if that excitement is because the broncos are i don't know they look decent right or if it's the other sports teams and you and i've talked about this ad nauseum right like the bronco fever takes over the town it's great don't get me wrong uh anytime denver is is a happy sports town uh the energy is awesome so no yeah. complaints there but there's certainly right shout out to, to zach johnson uh intern and, and now business partner um he messaged us on uh instagram the other day and said uh, something about you know you guys need to talk about the nuggets so here you go zach you got your reference i understand that they're they're playing well they're doing great let me ask you best defense in the western conference not that anyone plays defense in the nba but is that do you still have anybody beating the Warriors? I think the Nuggets right? have already beat the Warriors. Like in, in, the, mean, in, in the, the playoffs? In the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. In the playoffs. Um, I don't know, man. That team at some point, I think, in, inevitably is going to suffer from some sort of team culture problem, right? Whether it's Michael Jordan, basketball's too easy and that's not challenging, therefore I can't get into it. Or if it's we just had the the little the little uh kind of fight between um Kevin Durant and and Draymond. I I don't know. It's it's pretty I I I we'll have to put a pin in that conversation. I have no idea. The the obviously the playoff warriors are are a different basketball team. I don't know. Jo- Joker is a is a stud and I think plays an older brand of basketball that that 
might be difficult for Golden State to handle, though they've proven that they're pretty. I yeah, maybe not. We showed those. I think we had a conversation briefly a couple weeks ago about some of the stats that are coming from the center position this year in terms of uh, player efficiency. And uh, I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe we're talking kind of mid-November. Uh, three of the top five most efficient uh, players in the NBA were centers. And so I think you're, you know, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's a, it's a very valid observation to say that maybe the game is shifting back more towards the traditional center which uh do you like that i don't mind it i, no. I love yeah i kind of like that 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 style of basketball yeah. is that you down with that oh, i love i love watching watching him play this is interesting stat and again it's early right we're only 23 games into the into the basketball season which is what a little over a quarter the the nuggets are averaging 110.2 points a game which is high right uh, compared to past years as we've written about on our blogs and talked about on the podcast but that's the lowest points per game of the top eight teams in the Western Conference. Who would be the who would be playoff teams, and in fact, it's the the third lowest in the Western Conference total, right? So the Nuggets, while they're scoring a lot of a lot of points, hundred and ten point two points is a lot of points per game. They're also giving up the fewest by far. They're giving up one hundred and two point seven points per game. Golden State, on the other hand, is scoring one hundred and sixteen point four points a game, but giving up one hundred and eleven point five. Right. So the entirety, at least of the Western Conference, seems to be moving towards this run and gun kind of style. I think that, you know, uh, that 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 Jokic and, and the Nuggets are something of a blast from the past. And they, they lost a handful of games in a row, but they've just rattled off six wins to to jump back up in first place. So I'm not making the argument that they're the best team in basketball, but I am saying there's there must be something to that. Right. To have the third fewest points scored but the, the the fewest points against in the Western Conference and be in first place. Maybe these running gun teams can't handle a big man who can who can post up and play two-way basketball. Shout out to our Sauce TV supporters. Sauce TV, if you like skateboarders, skateboarding, follow them on the gram. They do some good stuff. Uh, they say it's our D. I think he means Yeah, defense. yeah. I think, well, no, I, I agree. I think it is. It's the defense. Hey, if, I mean, that's probably what it's going to have to take to beat the Warriors, be able to slow the game down. Um, you know, force them to take difficult shots. We'll see. I don't Which, know. Which again, we have to we have to acknowledge that it's funny to be like they only give up 102 points a game. What a great Insane. defense! That's not a great defense. I mean, but <laughs> in, in the context of what 2018 basketball looks like, I guess it is. Insane, man. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's your props. Uh, shout out to to the Nugs. That's great. Uh, let's let's jump into uh, we'll, let's, Urban Meyer comments on that. I think I think you know we're not necessarily on a huge time crunch here, but. Um, I know we want to spend a lot of our conversation on 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 Kendall Hunt. So uh, Urban Meyer, obviously, I think a lot of people know by now he has announced he's going to retire. Brian, you said this last week, right? Didn't you think, didn't you hear rumors that he was going to be retiring? Yeah, I heard he was out. So he's retiring. It seems to be confirmed, right? They've already said the assistant, the guy who stepped in for him during his suspension has basically got that job, right? I that don't know his close. name. Uh, yeah, I don't either. That dude. Uh, that dude. But no, you had said it last week that he was going to be um, – heading out so that's pretty wild uh urban meyer the thing is the i think i read it somewhere i don't think i like okay intuited it or anything you didn't know stradamus that shit yeah. a la corsi if you follow politics i can you explain that reference to me that's the guy who said that he just figured out that wikileaks was going to dump all this information about uh, hacked emails as opposed to got that information from julian assange whatever it doesn't matter 
That makes sense. <laughs> Julian Assange could be here in the States pretty soon, uh, according to that Axios article you sent me. Yeah, um, yeah we'll welcome him with, with open arms. Uh, okay, so the thing is with the Urban Meyer story is that he has done this before, right? He, he left Utah to go to Florida. He left Florida saying he had health concerns. He was yeah. retiring for health reasons, spent a year on ESPN, comes back, goes to Ohio State, which is uh, probably where he wanted to be uh, when he began his career. Um, and now kind of same thing, health issues. I think people are upset because uh, they're just assuming that Meyer is going to take uh, another job. Um, I don't. I don't know how to read this. You know. I think. I think. I. I, I get upset because uh, mostly fans will defend Urban Meyer based on his record and his winning, and so all of those things get used uh, linguistically or discursively to kind of explain away or to to brush over the fact that he's made a lot of you know questionable judgments in terms of personnel and how he's handled players, and uh, it most recently, right, with the Zach Smith situation, how he handled that domestic uh, abuse, domestic violence situation. So I think to me, that's the problem. I think uh, it's odd that we spent uh, Monday and half a Tuesday, maybe maybe all of Tuesday, um, and by we, I mean the media, celebrating the career of Urban Meyer and what he's done. And this after a weekend where Bill Snyder uh, had retired from Kansas State, a guy who, you know, uh, there were some issues, I'm sure, uh, with Bill Snyder. Did he retire? Yeah, he's, he's going to retire. Oh, so that's... Yeah, I mean that's a guy who had a lot of success yeah. at a, like Manhattan, Kansas. That's not I can't imagine easy to recruit. And so uh, props to you know Bill Snyder comes from that wonderful Hayden Try tree of 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 co- football coaching. So um, I don't know. That's w- what's your take on on things? Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Urban Meyer is such a weird a weird character for me. I, I the, when he left Florida, I, there seemed to be all this back and forth where I think he was making the same noises like I'm not coming back. It's not good for my health. It's not good for my family. Coaching is uh, the reason he was leaving is because of his personal relationship to coaching, not about Florida or anything like that. Right. It was it was football coaching, qua football coaching, not any of the other stuff that was going around that pushed him out. And that's kind of the same stuff he's saying here. So it makes him makes it hard to take him at his word when he says that he thinks when he says he thinks he's done. I've seen rumors on on the social medias that, you know, he's going to end up, you know, Green Bay's head coach by the beginning of next year and 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 different different things like that. It's hard to imagine that he's really thinking about just the football stuff, not the suspension and all the the kind of um, you know media stuff that went on about about him and the assistant coach and the domestic violence charges um, and all of that. I I, th- I think your your point is correct, right? That it's 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 very complicated to try and remember coaches just for their on field accomplishments, particularly when they're surrounded with other issues like that, right? I mean, it's hard to divorce uh, him and 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 Florida from the Aaron Hernandez stuff, which you've mentioned before. Um, so, you know, I can't imagine it's it's easy on him. But to your point, I don't think it's fair to ignore um, all of that, all of that other stuff either. I mean, if, if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see Urban Meyer um, coaching, coaching professional football, coaching college football. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised by it at all. I'm anxious to see what he's going to do. Uh, I, I I don't know why. I don't know why this story is intriguing. It's it's a story that reminds me of stuff that I think we've talked about on the show before, which is these college coaches, whether it be it's particularly men's basketball and football, where coaches leave 
and they have the flexibility to just go. Uh, and it's a, it's a flexibility that players don't have. Right. And I think to me, like that's, that's the issue. If we're going to criticize the NCAA, um, that's where we should be doing it. That's the angle. That's the argument that we can make is that they make it so hard on student athletes to be fluid, to have yeah. the flexibility of coaches. And it would be nice, right? If, if I'm at Ohio state and what if, I mean, what if you're a freshman at Ohio state right now and you went there to play under urban Meyer and, you know, obviously there's going to be a decent coach who's taking over after him, but it's still, that's not who you came to play for. But if you wanted to go to Michigan or you wanted to go to Iowa, you would have to sit out, right? It would be a much, much more difficult process. And I guess I just don't understand why, why players don't have that same freedom as coaches, especially um, if they are those kind of high-level talents with, with a clear path towards the NFL or towards the NBA. Because let's be honest, um, I, I don't think that folks, uh, there's a small percentage of those Division I athletes who, who aren't there to get the education. I think that's fine, right? Because that small percentage probably deserve to go to the NFL or the NBA. And they should be given, I, I guess, the flexibility to continue with their education, but also to continue their play elsewhere if we're going to give, give coaches that that flexibility. Yeah, I mean... I know that recruits can change their commitments, right? If you'd already, if you were a, if you were a prospect and you got a recruit and you committed to Ohio State and Urban Meyer leaves, then they can change. Is there no? Is there nothing carved out for players who he also recruited? That you know, a redshirt freshman, they they have to sit out a year if they transfer. The, even even in the case of a coach leaving, huh? So it's up to the school has to release the player. They have to release them from their scholarship. And they're and, not going to release them to go to Michigan or to right. Penn State or to that's, Iowa. That's, that's the problem, right? Interesting. They're, they're not going to let them go there. So, yeah, right. I think. I mean, this has happened before. I don't know which conference, but you know, uh, uh, coaches who have. Uh, I think it's actually been in basketball where um, a coach will not release a player because that player wants to go to a mm -hmm. to a rival within the conference, but they'll say, "Okay, you can go elsewhere." I don't know, man. Like this is this is the blog that that I wrote last week, and folks, I encourage you to, to have a read, not because it's great, but because I think um, it it forces you to to think about the whole situation from a different angle. Is that coaches get off get let off the hook too often? Um, not just in this situation, but in recruiting scandals, in um, you know CD booster uh, situations, all this stuff. It's the coaches who I think we should hold to a higher level of uh, of of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, right? A higher expectation than a lot of these 18, 19, 20 year old kids. It's not that they shouldn't be good people. That's not what I mean. But yeah. I mean, if you're a 45 year old adult, um, you should be more thoughtful about your decision making um, in ways that if I'm a broke, you know, college kid, uh, somebody offered me $15,000, that's life changing. And so it's like, okay, let's think about intentionality here. And, and, and the thought process that goes into the decision making of these people, and maybe you go, Oh, right, the coach has more history has more understanding should have a, a stronger moral foundation to make the right choice. And that's, it's a larger conversation. Yeah. No, I mean, this, this time of year, we always have a lot of the same conversations. You were texting me. Um, we were texting about, about this, this stuff going on in college football, where we're at the time of the year where college kids who have the choice to, to go to the draft, to enter the draft, or who are clearly going to go pro get, should decide are, are deciding whether or not to play in bowl games, right? Should I play in a low level bowl game as opposed to 
um, you know, trying to make sure I don't hurt myself and preparing myself for the combine and for the draft and that sort of stuff. And there, those in those moments, people are like, oh, come on, man. It's, you know, it's all about school spirit. I can't believe, you know, you're, you're, you're turning your back on your team and that sort of stuff. And you expect this, you, you know, kind of this higher loyalty to steal a, a political James Covey sort of uh, hot button term from, from the past year. Um, but at other times, you know, you want to treat high school kids as, or, or college kids as, as sort of immature, younger adolescent sort of kids. I don't know. It's, it, I, don't, I don't think that there's a consistent view of how we should, how we should treat college athletes. And that's both of these things I think are, are pretty good, are a pretty good example of it. I, in the back of my mind, as you were talking, all I was thinking about was, I wonder if Urban Meyer went around this year doing recruiting. I'm sure he did, right? If in the back of my mind, his mind, he thought he wasn't going to be there. That's kind of messed up. Right? Like, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that. Isn't yeah. he doing a lot of the recruiting on his name? I mean, you go there, and I'm sure you're saying to these kids, hey, look, I'll be there. You know, come here and play with me. We'll win a national championship. You'll go in the draft level. I don't know what they say in these sorts of meetings. You know, and then you get kids who, who declare. Or think about people who re- he recruited last year. You know, we're going to win. He get, gave a LeBron speech. Not one, not two. That sort of stuff. And then, and then he's out, right? Like, I, th- I think you're correct. I think we often talk about exploitation of college athletes at the level of the urban Myers of the world get paid millions of dollars and they get paid nothing, which is certainly true. But there's also a sort of structural unfairness about how much control and autonomy they have. They can't transfer. They can't improve their situations except for in weird exceptions, right? If you have to sit a year out or if you're a graduate transfer and that sort of thing. And then, you know, we criticize their decisions. Hey, you're not getting paid. Come play in this bowl game for free and risk hurting yourself and destroying your 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 potential future NFL career or something like that because of rah 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 school spirit. Well, you know, that that cuts both ways, right? I mean, man, I I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but you've I, I've, it's it's unleashed a very pessimistic view in in my mind this afternoon no i think i mean it ties to to the kendall hunt um situation in in different ways and i think we'll, we'll get into that but um like fans in particular we cling to the we, we want to blame the player we want to get upset with the player and i don't know if that's be, I, I don't know if that's because that's the kind of that's the media commentary that we're getting out there right are we getting and by that i mean like the first take right or, or or whatever show skip bayless has on fs1 or colin cowherd the sports talk radio kind of the hot takes like do we hear those arguments oh this player is selfish and we cling to it and that sticks to us right and we like that because it's it's persuasive um it's compelling and, and it works right like that shortcut that mental shortcut works for us and maybe there's just not enough of the ulterior or alternative kind of argument that maybe it is the fact that, that these we shouldn't blame these kids, right? Ironically that I say this, right? I, I say this ironically because I usually cannot stand Paul Feinbaum. I, I, I'm not a Paul Feinbaum fan, mostly because he's an SEC homer. But this morning uh, I was watching, I think, First Take. I can't remember what show it was. And he had said, right, that, that you know, it's you can't blame these kids. You can't blame these kids because there's a slew of them, right? Noah Fant in particular from Iowa with me being a, an Iowa fan who will sit out the bowl game. But I think Clemson actually has a quarterback who's who's going to be sitting out a, a potential national championship or a national title run. But like at the same time, um, um, we get upset because I guess we feel like these kids, these these student athletes aren't taking advantage of of, of 
of a privilege they're given. I'm not sure. Um, and we like to, to cling to those narratives, but I think you're spot on, right? I totally agree. I mean, it's like opening up a Pandora's box in terms of how we talk about this, because how we talk about it is so narrow. And I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, so many of the people who are having this conversation about whether it be student athletes not playing in pool games or the Kendall Hunt domestic uh, abuse situation lack either the time or the perspective to have a long conversation about the multifaceted situation that's happening. And I think that is harmful in terms of how we understand sports and the influence sports have on us. Does that, does that make sense to you? No, it makes, it makes total sense. Big takeaway from this is, is like, it's a bigger story than let's yell at the kid for not playing the bowl game or let's not yell at the kid, or it's a bigger story than urban Meyer's great or urban Meyer left, right? There's way, there's a whole plethora of, of issues. There's, it's a complexity that is influencing so many people and their lives and their futures. And I think it, it's more than a five, a five minute hot take on PTI, right? Pardon the interruption or, or, or Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. It needs to be this kind of long form conversation. And I feel like we might even blame if not the people, the technology that is uh, the 24 hour news cycle or cable uh, sports coverage or, or those kinds of shows, because they know they get ratings. So they put them on air, they reproduce this conversation, these conversations, and then we consume them and they frame how we understand the situation. And that's problematic because the situation is much, much, much more complex. Yeah. Sorry. Caught me drinking water. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Marco, yeah. wait, who are you? Marco Rubio? <laughs> water, 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 water. Uh, okay. I'm not a, a huge Donald Trump fan, but when he made fun of Marco Rubio for the water thing, that was funny. Because the water thing was funny. Mm. He only laughs when he's able to be the one who makes fun of, when he's made fun that's, of. That's true. Laugh. That's true. Yeah. So <laughs> moving on from politics. Okay, moving so in the same line of, of thinking here, let's pivot towards the, uh, the Kendall Hunt situation. I want to clarify the connection between the previous story about Urban Meyer and this, because I think the reason why I'd say that, I sent you an article in which uh, I can't remember who it was from Deadspin, um, was talking about the issues with framing this as domestic violence, when in fact it's not, and how when we frame the story as domestic violence, um, it adds all of these things to it that limit uh, the ability to have a much, much larger conversation about violence in general, man-on-woman violence, uh, 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 all these things, and um, I, think, I think the takeaway, let me pull it up, sorry, and then I'll, I'll let you kind of take you i'll let you take the lead in terms of our initial conversation uh about it um i want to make sure i get the author uh diana muskets uh she talks about you know we need to have a we need to realize this isn't domestic violence in the sense that they're the history of the two right kendall hunt and or sorry kareem hunt i keep saying kendall hunt kareem hunt and the victim was non-existent it had happened that evening and so therefore, when we think about it as just a blatant act of violence uh, with kind of a, a, a victim that we don't talk about, that is even more, I don't want to say uh, harmful or problematic, but it is certainly like more uh, obscene, I guess, uh, more random, more problematic. Uh, uh, it's more, that's not the word. I, I, it's, it's, there's a different level to it, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. And the, I think the end there, she's saying that the NFL would have handled it differently. Had it, had it understood, had it been understood that this is just a random act of violence. 
not it doesn't fit into the narrative of domestic violence it's not that she's that kind of victim who keeps going back because i think we like to she you know diana's kind of mentioning this we like to use that narrative of the woman keeping she keeps coming back she keeps returning and so therefore she's kind of deserving of this domestic violence i'm not saying that you and i agree with that that's not what we're saying but i think that that narrative functions that way and so if we were to think outside of this narrative of just this random act of violence it's like holy shit right this dude doesn't need to get a second chance he needs to potentially be in prison and that's again kareem hunt not kendall hunt it's kendall hunter who's a i can't remember is he the one he beats that's joe mixon who also beat somebody up so anyhow a little background if you're not aware uh kareem hunt uh had had kicked pushed a woman slapped a woman punched a woman i can't remember uh too much violence too too grotesque uh, in february um uh, TMZ leaked the video last week. Uh, the story that ESPN uncovered is that the NFL had known about what was going, had known about the video. The Chiefs had apparently known about the video. The NFL told the Chiefs not to investigate. And so the the big issue is that for the last nine months, ten months, um, the NFL has kind of sat on this until obviously TMZ uh, releases the video and the Chiefs uh, within twelve hours uh, cut uh, Kareem Hunt. He's now gone. It's just, it's a fucked up story. Uh, it's terrible. Y- your take. I, I've been. Yeah, this is, this is really an interesting, this Deadspin article is super, super interesting to me because the, the, the goal, like the central thesis of this article is not to say that the, the naming of what Kareem Hunt, Hunt did as domestic violence or as something else somehow makes it better or worse, right? That's not really the point of the article. The point instead is to say that you have to acknowledge that when you talk about domestic violence, that there's something beyond the mere act of, of battery on another person. It's not just a man hitting a woman or a woman hitting a man that makes for domestic violence. Instead, it's that you have an intimate relationship, that you have a history, that you live together, that potentially it's a chronic thing, that you've got um, your finances interwoven so that make it more difficult for you to escape. That To understand what domestic violence is sort of etymologically or historically or culturally, it, it's, it's meaningful to understand that that term ought not be generically applied to any sort of inter uh, gender intersexed violence right man hitting woman or woman hitting man i think it's i think it's really fascinating my reaction to this is it was called domestic violence so many times i didn't know until i read this article that it wasn't a person with whom he was in a relationship yeah it was, I, it was they kept that, saying domestic violence i thought it was a girlfriend or a fiance or something like that in my mind i was coding it through the lens of the guy who just got signed by washington the uh, ray rice that sort of stuff that's not what happened here this is just he met this person it sounds like that day or maybe the day before and they got in some sort of fight and he threw her on the ground and kicked her right that's mm-hmm. i mean wow that's that's fascinating this is a, I, my, halfway through this i was like wait i don't get it and by the end i'm like no this makes a lot of sense yeah right yeah. it's it's the, the thing that the thing that Moskovitz is pointing out here is that there's all these outraged hot takes about domestic violence and it's people kind of just coding what they generically think about violence and athletes uh, based on the patterns that we've uh, understood before things that have gone before um, that that's that that's what happened in this case and it sort of prevents you from uh, kind of reconciling what 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 truthfully truthfully happened in in this particular instance, yeah. Well, yeah and she even she acknowledges too. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That people are going to read this and be like, this distinction doesn't matter. But it, I, I I see how it does. This is really fascinating. 
Well, it, it's almost like I think she, what she's saying is like the domestic violence shortcut allows these commentators to 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 say something, right? To be appalled by it, but never actually have to have a, a, a thoughtful conversation about it because that trope has has circulated so often in sports discourse that that as a consumer of it, we know how it's going to work out. When in fact, right, this is a much, much more complicated thing. And that trope doesn't apply here. It needs to be it needs to be something different. And I think that's a pretty I, I like this actually problematizes the other article that you sent me from New York magazine, right? By by Will is it Will Leitch? Will Litch, uh, who kind of talks about, you know, Roger Goodell being a problem, all this, but he 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 prefaces his argument uh that Roger Goodell is the issue um by by talking about how the NFL compared to the US population does not really have a domestic violence uh problem. And so what what's what's interesting, right, is like her spin or her take on on this article, and I think she actually mentions it in her article in for Deadspin. Uh, basically, it really problematizes or uh, calls into question this article from New York Magazine. And so, like, I, yeah, yeah, like, what if it's just a violence problem, right? I mean, if that's the case, then we have a whole another level of conversation that needs to be had. If it's just a violence problem. Then it's like okay, right? Um, the NFL is 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 obviously um, integral, intimately uh, 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 involved or invested in violence. It slings violence. It's not a blood sport, but it's close. And what does that mean if if you know we allow you to be violent on the field? We want you to have that me to be that person that flips a switch. Um, but off the field, uh, you're supposed to be somebody totally different. I think uh, you and I maybe have had this conversation like, you know, <laughs> there's a training that goes on in the mind. It's very hard sometimes to to uh, override, right? It's like a it's like an operating system. And sometimes people do terrible things uh, outside of their jobs that uh, that might have something to do with with the things that they're accustomed to doing uh, in their jobs. Is that does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. I don't know. I when we when we talk about and again that it, it seems like we get ebbs and flows of domestic violence or 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 misconduct by players to to use a more general category it, like we we get lots of these incidences and then they tend to go away and that new york magazine article is interesting because you're right it says that the nfl has an issue that the way that it responds to these you know crisis communication moments or pr moments does not fight back against this probably offensive and potentially racist narrative that NFL players are more likely to be criminals, are more likely to engage in criminal behavior, are more likely to be violent or do domestic violence. And I think all of that's true, but I think there's a secondary framing problem too, which says that that, that there are a bunch of hot takes like we like we talked about in that Deadspin article that people uh, are either genuinely outraged for a couple of days and it goes away or they feign outrage for a couple of days and then it goes away. But nothing is sort of done to, to interrogate, interrogate what should the relationship between the NFL as an organization or individual professional sports teams and their employees be when those employees have have uh, have have they exhibited behaviors or have conducted themselves in ways that are that are ethically that are ethically problematic right and the question is where do we want to do we want to cast blame do we want to say 
it's the ownership's fault because they're willing to sign these players a la our conversation from last week. Do we want to say it's the NFL's problem for failure to suspend people or to regulate or establish a culture where this stuff kind of um, won't won't be tolerated? And I wish I knew what you know what the answer to, to the question was, I sent you a different article that I thought w- took a really interesting take on this. It talked about um, sort of Jason Witten calling out Washington on, on Monday night football mm-hmm. for, for being willing to sign uh, the, the guy's name who I, I, I am blanking on right now, but Ruben um, Foster. there you go. Ruben Foster. Um, but at the same time, this article says at the same time, Witten had no problem sort of celebrating Adrian Peterson during that during that exact same game which points to the problem of when are individual players willing to speak out against their own teammates when are they willing to speak out against players who are um in the same league as them but are but are on different teams and and this is an article from weei which is a boston sports radio thing kind of weird um but they sort of suggest that it's bizarre when players are willing to sort of hold their teammates or their fellow you know professional athletes to account right the inside one of these articles it talked about how patrick mahomes said he was fine with kareem hunt getting the boot because you know that's not the way that we do things and you know we're not down with that sort of behavior but at the same time this is something that ostensibly everybody knew about it sounds like a lot of people knew about i can't say for sure mahomes did but a lot of people knew about beforehand right the other examples in wdei article are you know people in in professional baseball who are willing to criticize other teams for signing people who have you know committed crimes or used steroids or 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 had you know done violence had violent behavior but when their own team signed those those players they're not willing to say anything about it the the good example was how come jason witten's willing to say something about reuben foster uh as a commentator on monday night football but didn't say anything about um uh about uh UFC fighter uh, for for Dallas. What was that guy's name? Uh, Greg, Greg Hardy. Greg, Greg Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Why didn't he say anything about Greg Hardy? In fact, he did. He said that guy works really hard or something to that effect. Right. So is is there a cultural problem where there needs to be a willingness at I guess a more kind of grassroots level for players to be like exhibit pressure on your on your team, on your ownership, on whoever to to not sign players who have who have exhibited problematic behavior. I don't know. I don't know where the buck stops. Right? Is it with the individual player? Is it with the organizations? Is it you know, is it is it a broader cultural problem? And a lot of these different articles that we re- read and talked about for this week are are really about asking that same that same question. I wonder, like, I'm not to say, like, I think you and I are on the same page, or at least we're coming at this from the same angle, in that there's a larger cultural issue and that culture might be as small as the nfl it might be as small as an nfl team it might be as large as sports that is actually fueling the violence that we're seeing or the abuse that we're seeing and 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 i'm not that's not what i like it's not an apology it's not it's not forgiving what these men have done but i think like that begins to make some sense or it helps us make some sense uh, regarding how these people do these things, like how they legitimate or, 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 or make sense of what they're doing as okay. Like I, I, I have a hard time, right? As, as much as I had said about kind of violence and anger five or six minutes ago, I have a hard time thinking that some of the things that these men are doing is not thought out. Right. I understand you're in a rage and you're anger, angry, but I have a hard time thinking there's not a decision making process that goes on. And what's interesting is I want to apply this story, right, to or use this story to connect it to Ben Roethlisberger. Cause I was reading up last night on Roethlisberger and his situation because I think we always 
there's there's a racial component to this. Don't get me wrong, but I think for some reason, right? We 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 actually not for some reason. Like we move past these stories so fast, and and we move past these. We move past the Ben Roethlisberger story just as fast. I mean, he got suspended in 2010 for off the field uh, immoral activity. Basically, right? He sexually abused or raped a woman. Um, there wasn't enough evidence to convict him of that, but the woman refused to change her testimony, unlike the previous woman who he had, I think, four or five years earlier, also sexually abused or raped. She did recant and say that it didn't happen. I think that was in Lake Tahoe. But the most recent case, she refused to do it. You know, she just, there was not enough evidence to kind of persecute or to prosecute, excuse me, Ben Roethlisberger. But it's like, we, I, I think so many of these athletes are, they've been, they've been, encultured, right, or enculturated or, or, or raised in an environment where whatever they do is accepted, whatever they do is okay, because people forgive them for it, or they look past it. And I think that begins at the level of the college athlete that you and I were talking about previously on the show, and it may even begin in high school, right? You probably went through something different, Regis, right? But I know, I'm sure, right, a lot of the schools or a lot of the programs, whether that be college basketball or college football, there is a a a, a, an, a a blind eye, yeah. That 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 is used to pretend that this stuff doesn't happen. Yeah, there was there was no like baked in privilege being a D three runner for a semester. I can I can tell you, that. yeah, probably so. Um, no if there was, no one told me. Hey, I think that was a great show. I know I know you got to run to your meeting. Um, do you have any closing comments? Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Th- that podcast you sent me, what's it called? Burn It All Down? Burn It All Down, yep. Uh, did um, a bit on this. It's a week or two old at this point. That was about how how do these quote-unquote redemption stories get framed, right? And should we see Adrian Peterson at, at the end of a redemption sort of cycle, um, you know, and I think it fits in nicely with this conversation of how do we assign blame? How long does our outrage sort of stay attached and does the cycle that we seemingly go through. I, I pointed this out earlier that it seems to be cyclical that every couple of years we get, you know, the Ray Rice and the Greg Hardy thing. And then we've got Adrian Peterson about the same time or pretty soon thereafter. And then now we've got, a, you know, a cycle where these things are coming in twos and threes. Again, it's clearly not the, the way that we're reacting to it clearly is not doing anything to change. I, again, I don't know if it's a culture problem. I don't know if it's a team problem. I don't know if it's an NFL problem. I don't have the answers, but clearly doing the same thing in response is not, it's not getting the job done. And I think they sort of take a look at this from the, the future looking back, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying what happens when someone goes through something like this in five or six years down the line, we want to paint them as a success story, someone who's turned their life around. And what is the responsibility when we talk about those things or write about those things from a journalistic perspective? It's an interesting read. Uh, listen, rather, listen, podcast. I think, uh, I know we got to wrap this up. One of these days, maybe we'll have to talk about it. But I have a real issue with the fact that 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 folks don't want to articulate the nuances between Greg Hardy and Adrian Peterson and something like Michael Vick. Because I feel like Vick gets looped into this conversation. To me, it's like, okay, the idea of dogfighting is a cultural phenomenon. It is a southeastern United States phenomenon. But also, if you look around the world, the respect that we have for dogs is not matched really anywhere else, right? Like, that is so unique to us. 
that is at a whole different level than somebody kicking and punching a woman. A human being, yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm not saying, I don't, I don't and abuse that dude went to jail. Exactly, right? But even let it, bur or burn it all down, right? Which is a progressive podcast that shares a lot of the same stances that you and I hold. They failed to kind of our, to, to, to explain the differences in, in, in that situation because we're talking a totally different level, right, of, of, of activity. But one of these days, we'll have to talk about it. Brian, appreciate you, as always, my friend. Go to that wonderful meeting. Everybody, find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about us. You can donate to us, anchor.fm slash sports nerds, and we're all over the social media. Uh, look out for our bull pick em. Uh, we'll get that up and running. We've got a couple weeks before bull games start, but that'll be our next contest. And uh, shout out to Brock Harper, who is leading our EPL, uh, our EPL League showdown. There's actually there's about ten folks who are extremely involved with that. So thanks. Yeah, I just missed my picks again. It's hard, man. This week was a short week too. Yeah. Two days off, but um, it's working. Uh, it's 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 been a fun experience uh, experiment. But all right, friend, have uh, have a great time at your meeting. We'll talk later. Later.